Welcome back to another edition of the Pennsylvania Prisons and Parole Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Tarkowski, along with executive producer Kurt Bope. Preparing today's incarcerated population for a successful reentry is a key function of the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections, and a safe, affordable place to live is often the first step. Today, we'll visit with Luis Resto, director of the Office of Reentry Services, to learn how he and his team connect reentrants with housing and other resources in the community. So oftentimes we talk about the importance of preventing recidivism. And one of the main ways to prevent recidivism is giving people a safe place to live. When somebody leaves a state facility, what are their housing options? Yeah, when somebody leaves a state facility, sometimes their, their housing options are limited. Um, you know, since the Department of Corrections doesn't release to homelessness, um, oftentimes individuals that don't have a place to go home to uh, find themselves at a community correction center um, facility out in the community. And uh, once they're placed in a community correction center, uh, they have the opportunity to find uh, housing and move from that center and into permanent housing. Sometimes um, folks have a difficult time securing housing. So we have a a housing assistance program to help those uh, individuals with with, uh, that transition. Let's start at the community correction center level. What is a community correction center and what are some of the maybe misconceptions people in the community have about a community correction center? Yeah, well, community corrections center, we have uh, 31 community correction centers uh, located throughout the state. Some of them are state-owned, uh, state-operated, I should say, um, and some of them are private uh, facilities. They could, you know, provide drug and alcohol treatment, or they could just be generic group homes. As I mentioned, there's 31 throughout the state uh, with a population of about 2,000 people in resident right now. Um, and th- those are folks that basically do not have a place to go home post-release. Um, and uh, they transition back out into the community through a, through a center. A center, you know, can be anything in terms of what it looks like out in the community. You know, we have centers that were former mansions um, that have been converted to, to that purpose. Uh, we have a site in, that's a former state hospital on the state hospital grounds, actually. And another one that uh, was a um, infirmary for a steel company uh, way back in the day. So they, they, there's no prototypical community crisis center. They, they, we try to blend into the community as much as possible. And these men and women live there, and yeah. that's their residence. How long does somebody stay at a community correction center, and when do they leave? They can stay for as long as they need to stay, as long as their adjustment is positive, um, and until they make uh, that transition back out into the community. We like to see people transition as quickly as possible, and we kind of earmark 120 days um, to see and help a person transition back out into the community. Um, so as a person stays longer, there's more interventions provided for that person uh, to help assist them um, back out into the community. So it's not just a place where they keep all their stuff and sleep at night. They're actually getting services. What kind of services take place at a CCC and how do people benefit from them? Yeah, so some of the services that, that uh, occur are case management uh, services. A lot of the treatment is done out in the community. So the individuals referred, the reenters referred out into the community to receive those clinical services. Um, but the, each center has uh, corrections counselors, and the corrections counselors are basically in charge of their day-to-day activities and doing their, their case plan and making sure that the individual is following through on a case plan in conjunction with the pro agent uh, who, who jointly um, make those observations. And uh, the centers you know, provide you know, security. Um, and to make sure that you know, it's a safe environment, um, as safe an environment as possible. What kind of responsibilities do they have when the residents of the CCCs have? Are they pitching in on chores? Are they learning how to you know, pay bills? 
Because I imagine, especially if you're at a CCC because you don't have that family support or you don't have another place to go, some of these people might have been incarcerated for 15, 20, 30 or more years, and now they're coming into uh, maybe a community that they don't recognize. How do you and how do the CCCs work to get them on the right track? That's a good question. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, some folks can be incarcerated for, for a long period of time, and that transition for them might take longer than somebody else. Um, but they do provide, you know, that assistance, um, you know, making sure that they're receiving the benefits, you know, going to the Social Security office, going to, uh, you know, the, uh, what I call the welfare, welfare office, um, and making sure they're, they're hooked up with, uh, you know, insurance and, and things of that nature. Um, sometimes, you know, it, it requires a whole heck of a lot of handholding, you know, uh, to make sure that they understand how to take a bus, to make sure they understand how to fill out an application, fill out an application today significantly different than what it was um you know years ago when they might have been on the street where it was a paper application now everything's online um you know and navigating this digital world um is significantly different so they have the opportunity to you know have cell phones um you know at, at the facility so they can help you know help make that transition but it's you know the world's significantly different than it was you know when, when a lot of folks went back went inside so there's support there for the reentrants as they're kind of getting back on their feet. I think it's important for people to know that this is not a prison, right? They're, they're not locked in at night. They're not, or they do have curfews, I, I believe, but it's not a secure facility. Why is that important? <clears throat> well, it's important because, uh, you know, the, they're, they're citizens. Uh, they're citizens of the Commonwealth. You know, they, they have uh, been granted release by the, by, the, by the board through their you know, extensive vetting process. Um, and they're citizens of, of, of the Commonwealth, unlike you and I. Um, absent the fact that they don't have a place to go home to, you know, um, oftentimes that's why the center is, is that bridge um, to to freedom, you know, so to speak, out in the community. Um, but they're not secure for a variety of different reasons. Uh, as you mentioned, they're not a prison, you know, so sometimes code um, and local ordinances prevent, you know, certain things, but we try to make it as secure as possible. Uh, you know, we have security staff there uh, to, to assist um, you know, the re-entrance, uh, making sure that, you know, contraband is not being introduced um, and that it's as safe as possible. There definitely are rules and regulations for, yes. for staying in the CCC. And if somebody isn't adjusting well in the CCC, there are consequences for that. But let's talk about the, the folks that are, are doing well and they um, are on their feet. They've progressed well at the CCC. And now we're trying to work to get them into um, an apartment or right. independent living. And that's a big part of what you do, correct? So we offer the housing assistance program, um, and uh, basically, you know, our our intention here is to help re-entrants that are housed in a center or in a community uh, that are unable to secure housing. Um, part of it is that they have to be employed. Um, so the housing assistance program is offered to individuals that are employed twenty plus hours per week uh, and have that verifiable income. Um, and uh, so we want to help that individual with through our providers, you know, find apartments, you know, fair market rates, you know, HUD, HUD rates, uh, fair market rates, according to HUD, um, and making sure that, you know, there isn't that predatory sort of thing that might happen to a reentrant where then they might, what I would call pay, pay a premium dollar for a non-premium situation just because of their circumstances or because of their credit rating and things of that nature. So our providers help buffer that. Uh, making sure that there's fair lease terms, you know, in 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 the lease, um, and that um, it's a good opportunity for their transition back out to the community. 
We're chatting with Luis Resto. He's the division director of the Office of Reentry Services and Housing with the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections. We talk about community partnerships a lot, and I think sometimes it's a buzzword, but you just mentioned that really you work closely with not only the landlords in the community, the folks that have these places to rent out, but then also the providers that are kind of the boots on the ground for you in all the different parts of the state that try to connect the reentrance with the housing and the services they need. How do you guys all work together? How does that work? I guess that's why you have a job, right? Well, I, I, I think that, you know, you mentioned that, that community piece, you know, and oftentimes in the course of my career, you know, our population has been excluded from a lot of intervention merely because of their felony conviction. Um, you know, providers are out there that would offer these services, but because that person has a conviction, they might stay in, the, in, in that queue for an extended period of time. So what we wanted to do is to really identify and target that critical six months to first year post-release um, to make sure that we stabilize as much as possible and help that re-entrance stabilize as much as possible initially. Uh, so we offer 12 uh, different service categories. Um, most of them are treatment related. Some of them are supportive in nature, um, all designed you know, to target that time frame uh, because we want to make sure that we stabilize um, that initial time out in the community um, provide the interventions um, as, as, as quickly as possible. But more importantly is to get the right intervention to the right person at the right time for the right reasons. So not everything's available just because you want it, but there's got to be a demonstrated need in order for you to receive that service. And we make those kind of investments because somebody is more likely to recidivate shortly after leaving confinement, right? Yeah, I, you know, just imagine how difficult that would be you know, after being away for, for an extended period of time um, and coming back and not going back to old habits or not going back to certain ways of responding to situations. Uh, we want to change that paradigm um, in a lot of ways. And the point of this is, is that, you know, oftentimes our service providers and now in the community is that this is the same person, just at a different point of the continuum, right? And they were probably being serviced by a provider prior to their incarceration. Um, and they will need to be serviced by, by, by the system or by the, a provider after their incarceration. That's where we're picking them up here is making sure we're making those connections out into the community to make sure that that person is connected as much as possible. And if that person isn't following through with the treatment that uh, that they need or the services that they require, that there's that, that, that dialogue between the provider and the agent so that they could you know collaborate on any issues that they may have, sometimes positive and sometimes negative. When we were chatting before we started uh, this morning, you mentioned you kind of let it slip that you've been working in reentry in one way or another since 1987. Yes, correct. Is it harder to find housing for folks today than it was maybe 15, 20 years ago? I, it, it, it's more difficult today in terms of just the market um, and the difficulty that anybody really is, 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 is having in finding affordable housing. So we're competing in this space um, with the open market, right? So we don't have any units that are set aside. We don't have, it's not a master leasing program. So it's not something that, you know, that you get referred to this morning and you're placing an apartment tonight. We don't have DOC apartments. We don't have DOC apartments. So we're competing in the open market uh, for, for available resources, um, you know, and, and the restrictions that, uh, you know, may, may be um, in some complexes or some, um, housing authorities or, or, or management companies are, are, are in place, right? We can't do anything about that. So we're just competing in, a, in the open market, trying to get that, that re-entrant placed. So if I'm a landlord and I have a property 
why would I want to rent to a reentrant? Why why should somebody contact you and say I have a property? Yeah, and I think there's several benefits to that. You know, part of it, you know, with the housing assistance program is that uh, you know we're we're trying to um, has have a subsidy of twenty one hundred dollars uh, for low need individuals or sixty three hundred dollars for for high need in, individuals. Um, but basically, the math there is about seven hundred dollars a month, right? So you could divide that up any way is necessary based on that individual's needs. Uh, but that pretty much seven hundred dollars a month represents you know in, uh, three months worth of rent, or the sixty three hundred dollars is nine months worth of rent. So that gives us an opportunity uh, to help stabilize um, that financial piece. Also, the other part too is that uh, you know the individuals that go through the housing assistance program go through renters prep. Um, you know, learn how to be a tenant, learn their rights and responsibilities as, as a tenant. Also go through uh, building your financial houses, educational components. If they want to be a first time home buyer, you know, we, we, we provide that as well as part of the contract. The additional piece as well is that there is somebody to go to. You know, if there's a problem, you could go to the, the lender can go to the provider. Hey, I'm having an issue here. I'm having an issue there. And they could be that liaison. Uh, between uh, the landlord and the tenant. In so we hear so many horror stories of a landlord not getting paid for six months, nine months, a year, and they finally have to go through the eviction process to get somebody out. What you're saying is because these folks are under supervision, because they're working with community uh, providers, that they have kind of an intermediary as someone to help work through these problems yeah. and make sure that rent's getting paid, that the property's being uh, taken care of in a in a tiny manner. Yeah, that's a goal. And also, you know, with the case management, if, if that person is having difficulties paying rent, the reentrants having difficulties paying rent, is that there's an opportunity for the case management to intervene, you know, to find additional services, you know, that that, that would supplement. There might be resources out there. There's resources out there. So we're, we're just a part of this, right? So, so the, 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 the intention of the housing assistance program is not to pay 100%, not to do everything, and not to provide, you know, complete financial um, responsibility on the department side or through, through the provider side, but to make sure that that person understands, that reenter understands and is responsible for what they need to do. At the same time, if they're having difficulties or they have needs, um, that those needs are identified and, and, and those interventions are also um, put into place. So if the person, um, you know, something as simple as doesn't have enough money for food, right? is, you know, finding resources that would provide food, you know, food banks and things of that nature, you know, um, finding those connections for that individual. If that person is having a difficult time, because things happen, you know, people have jobs and people lose jobs, um, you know, sometimes through no fault on their own. If they're falling behind on their rent is to find the right intervention to deal with um, that need or, or that barrier. Yeah, if they can't afford food, they're going to take the rent money and spend that on food. But if you can circle back and maybe get uh, some assistance for that food, that money can then be used and to make the landlord whole and, and pay the rent that month is kind of what I'm get, what I'm seeing. So we talked about community correction centers. We've talked about the housing assistance programs. What's the next step for a reentrant kind of reintegrating into, this, into the community? Yeah, so the next step here is that, as I mentioned to you, the regular housing assistance program requires employment. There's a segment, a significant segment of our population that um, we weren't able to reach in that regular housing assistance program because those reentrants um, might be a little bit older. They might have aged out in terms of employment. They might have disabilities and other barriers uh, that prevent, you know, employment, meaningful employment. 
So we developed, developed a, a new program uh, that we're hoping to launch soon uh, called REACH, which is Reentrance Attaining Community Housing. So the intention of the REACH program is really to capture those individuals that are not part of the regular housing assistance program. Uh, they're harder to serve, um, and we want to be able to get them out of a, a center a little bit quicker. Um, so the target population is those that are unable to earn income, um, reentrants that have disabilities, or reentrants that are senior, um, that are housed. And, and the prerequisite here is that it must be housed in a community correction center. So the goal is to help those folks get out of a center much more efficiently. And, you know, so we're looking at uh, a geographic launch because this is a, a pilot program. Um, we're looking at uh, launching it in Lackawanna County, Dauphin County, and Allegheny County, and the contiguous counties around those areas. Um, and it's a result of, of a grant that we got from the DOJ, um, which is to measure outcome incentives, right? To measure outcomes. I'm really excited about this part, right? Is to, to, to measure the thing, you know, what is it that we want to accomplish? And this allows us to really get into in, um, incentive-based contracting, which is something that we haven't really done, um, and measuring what it is that we're hoping to accomplish. So there's three um, incentives through, through this. We could talk about that, you know, down the road here, but uh, not to nerd out too much about it, but it's kind of a, 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 a neat opportunity. And the goal is getting these folks sustainable housing, right? Yes. And I think it's very interesting when you talked about the underserved populations. You want to talk about, um, you know, just anybody coming out of a state correctional institution is is going to have challenges. But then if you're older or you do have a disability, those are the folks that really get left behind a lot in our society, I think. And to see that, you know, your office and the community providers and the, the landlord partners that you work with all kind of coming together to make sure these folks have a, a safe place to go that's not going to lead them back to an SCI, I think it's so important. When, when you mention this this population and, 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 you know, and, and that sometimes they are left behind, it, it, it is just that because people that are placed in a community correction center don't qualify for HUD benefits. Because they're not homeless. They're not homeless. Um, they're, they're, they're functionally homeless in that they don't have a place to go, but they're not literally homeless in that they're not you know, living out in the street. They're living at, at, a, at a community correction center. So oftentimes it's, it's, it's getting all those services lined up in time quickly enough for that individual to, to move on from a center, whether it's a SSI benefits, um, you know, SSDI or whatever it is that that person uh, qualifies for and needs. And sometimes just getting those things approved, you know, takes some time. And while we wait for that stuff to be approved, you know, um, is that that person is, you know, continues to be at, at, at a center and we got to give them options. You know, we got to, you know, our outcomes are better if the person's out in the community than that person, than the outcomes are if that person remains at a center for a long, long period of time. So we want to get those people out into the community um, as as quickly, but also responsibly as possible. Now, your job title is the division director of the Office of Reentry Services and Housing. We spent a lot of time on the housing, yeah. what, and you've touched on some of the other reentry services. What other reentry services are out there that kind of help? prevent this recidivism that's our number one goal in the DOC. Yeah. So understanding um, that there's an investment that the Department of Corrections has to make in, in, in re-entry um, is that we, you know, through the course of time for the last 10 years, since 2013, is we've been providing non-residential options, or what I call non-residential options, is basically helping um, 
again, that in individual bridge that gap from, from incarceration back out into the community and providing treatment and services. So those services include sex offender treatment, uh, day reporting services, as I mentioned, the housing assistance program, um, mentoring, workforce development, family reunification, um, outpatient uh, substance abuse disorder services, cognitive behavioral interventions, outpatient mental health, batteries intervention, and, 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 and an intervention for a very specific program, which is a state drug treatment program, which is literally outpatient drug and alcohol treatment as well. And the newest lot is our, the one that we just talked about, which is REACH, uh, which is our newest lot, and we hope to launch that in October. These programs that you just talked about, or that you just uh, listed, are they mandatory? Does like a parole agent assign these to the reentrant and say, I really think you can benefit from these and this is a condition of your parole? Or is this a voluntary, somebody sees that it might help them and they pick it up themselves? Yeah, so, so there's a combination of those things. So as I mentioned to you, you know, getting that right intervention to the right person at the right time for the right reason. So part of the, of the reasons for intervention is our actuary assessment instrument, uh, which in the past was the LSAR and now we're moving to the strong R. So if there's a treatment need, that, that, that has been identified, um, then the goal here is to match that need with the service. The department doesn't pay for, you know, we don't have universal coverage, right? So this is not like, uh, you know, we have a provider in every market. As you can imagine, we have good coverage in, in the bigger markets and not so good co coverage in the secondary markets. But if there's a uh, an opportunity uh, that that person ha has a need and um, the pro agent can make that referral directly out to a community provider. You know, it doesn't have to be through us. But if there's an issue or a need for the department to pay for that service uh, because that person doesn't have insurance or, or, or the med medical assistance isn't turned on or there's some other barrier, uh, then we are able to pay for that until that person gets flipped over uh, to medical assistance for that treatment, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about treatment services here. So and medical assistance doesn't pay for everything, every one of our service categories. Um, but the point of it is, is to identify that need and, and make the uh, referral for the right intervention. So each one of these service categories does have eligibility requirement built in that the agents uh, take a look at and try to match that. How do you keep track of everything? There's a lot of moving parts here. My head's spinning just uh, having a, a short conversation. I guess you have a whole team of folks that are, are working on this, I, right? I have, a, I have a wonderful team of people, um, and, and, and I'm blessed. Um, What's the background? That where do where does your team come from? Is it a social work background? Is it behavioral health? Where where do you pull your staff from? It's a combination of the you know of those things. You know, I have um, you know a, a, a great resource with Sean Johnson. She's our housing coordinator, and she has a, a social work background. A very strong social work background. That's that's where she, you know, where she comes from, um, and has ex significant experience out in the community, right? So she's not DOC um, raised, right? Uh, mm -hmm. She she was raised out in the community, providing services to vulnerable populations, and and, and came to the Department of Corrections. Uh, in in addition to 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 Miss Johnson, we have additional staff that just cares. You know, they they have a a passion to provide treatment, to provide services. Uh, for 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 our population, the Department of Corrections really is more than just you know four walls and and, and barbed wire and 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 and, and, and jail cells. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on beyond that. That is particularly out in the community uh, that requires a team of people want uh, to monitor those contracts. Um, so I have about uh, three people that do that. Uh, one in the east, uh, Justin Harlan. One in the central part of the state, Keith, Keith Fenstermaker, and one in the west. Um, uh, Julian Rubio, that really 
act as a day-to-day sort of liaison between the providers. And as I mentioned to you, we have those service categories, but we have 82 providers in 200 plus locations. So there's a lot of moving parts to that. And I'm also blessed with uh, Rosa Duncan who really helps me out with um, um, the housing assistance piece as well, making sure that we have that assessment as to who falls under low need and who falls under high need and making sure that all the eligibility requirements are met before we commit to providing those services to that individual. So I have a wonderful group of people I am fortunate. Thanks again to Luis Resto and his team for all they do to help get the right services to the right people at the right time. To learn more about reentry and read stories of reentrants doing great things in the community, check out our blog at cor.pa.gov and follow us on social media at the handle CorrectionsPA. I'm Ryan Tarkowski. Thank you for listening to the Pennsylvania Prisons and Parole podcast. Until next time. <laughs>